0: I don't even know how long it's been. It's been basically 11 years in dog years probably. Yeah but anyway we're back. <coughs> hey. Hey. Um this case <coughs> is crazy. You're not even gonna say what episode we're on? <laughs> two two. It's become a thing. Double <laughs> deuce. Double deuce. No oh, god. I almost said I almost messed up. And said what? I almost said tootie (laughs) too. Like, I don't know why. Oh my God. I'm so glad that you told me (laughs) what it was. kind of wish you would have gone for it. It's an embarrassment. It is. (laughs) Woof. You know, I meant to say 22. Tootie (laughs) too. Ew. Okay. Toots on your mind. what happens when you have dogs okay so today we are discussing the murder of greg whitman okay okay so this was in 1998 in new freedom pa side note 1998 was my fucking year it was not greg's year oh yeah sorry greg so i'm glad you're making this about you i'm just saying it was a great year no it really was And I didn't know about this then. Exactly. I think that was the year I had purple pants. Do you remember those? I remember those. Remember that purple skirt that I had that was yours at one point and then I ended up with it and it was like fleece lined, all wrong for summer, but I wore it that whole summer and it was like plastic basically on the outside, like a sheen, almost like a sleeping bag material oh do you remember I do remember that with like yeah. embroidered flowers on it oh i thought it was hot shit in that skirt <laughs> probably came from limited too and i was like i look oh, so yeah. cute yeah if it was limited too then we were like fuck you yeah. <laughs> i would still shop there i'm not even lying yeah oh yeah now you can go to justice <laughs> ew <laughs> um so this is 1998 yeah Um, I feel like a lot of the people that listen to us probably are like around our age and they were probably wearing all that embarrassing shit in 98 too. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I remember that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, but at this time, back to serious, Greg Whitman is 13 years old. Mm. So this case is kind of hard because it involves two brothers and one of them is allegedly the killer, which is just like, how do you wrap your head around it? But um, he's he gets off the school bus and he's coming home and his older brother, Zach, is home for the day sick, apparently with like a stomach virus. So everybody says that they were like best friends. They did stuff together. They were close. They got along really well. They didn't really have any issues that anybody could Point. And you said he, the older brother was 15. Uh huh. So close in age, too, like you and I. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was gonna start this off by reading the uh, the statistics of like sibling murder and like how many are boys and how many are girls and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, ominously, you know, like, leave you the implications. <laughs> But (coughs) I decided against invite me over to your house when no one else is here. Nobody's here. here. There's two Bowie knives, strategically placed. Oh my gosh! (laughs) There you go. Um, but what were we even saying about? Oh yeah, but they're really close. So and like yeah, it's like you we're that far apart. We're like, I mean we're yeah we're eighteen months so. Sometimes we're two years, sometimes we're... One year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because right now, I'm 30 and you're 31, and then in a couple weeks, you'll be 32, and I'll be 30. Right. The important thing to note is you'll always be older. (laughs) Yes, I know. But you are older than my husband, which also actually goes... Not in my favor. Yeah, not great. (laughs) Not looking good for you. (laughs) Yeah, so never mind. Strike that from the record. Okay. (laughs) So, um... They were good friends. Okay. So... (laughs) And and it's reported that even just a couple weeks before the murder, like, uh, Zach played soccer and so did Greg. And Greg really wanted to practice more. And so Zach and his dad, like, at Zach's request, went out and got stuff and made Greg a soccer goal for the backyard so that he could practice. Like, wow, he was really sweet. (laughs) I was just remembering when you. Oh, my God. (laughs) I practiced with you see how sweet that was so let me go ahead and tell you the story the very <laughs> terrible story we were outside it we had a soccer ball oh well also like preface this with the brothers sisters should never have been allowed to even attempt at a sport because there's no talent we're not or, sporty spice. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. um but yes we had a soccer ball one of our dogs at the time had popped a hole in it and i'm setting the scene here it had just rained a lot so the soccer ball was full about <laughs> a third full of water <laughs> so heavy and we're outside and Torella just hauls off and kicks it as hard as, <laughs> as hard as she can because you had to kick it hard because it was so full of water but we the, were supposed to be kicking it to each other <laughs> the thing another thing is since we have no talent in sports she didn't aim, but somehow... It's not possible for me to aim. No. Still. But somehow it connected and... It went... But it went so high up in the air. It was like a... <laughs> pew! And smacked me right in the old melon. <laughs> you were like across the like yard and I just saw you like... <laughs> I just... <laughs> she knocked my ass out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. So... And that's the last day... And I ever played soccer. soccer. (laughs) Yep. Uh, That was it. It's hard to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, that was the beginning and the end of soccer for you. Mm -hmm. So, Greg, though, great at soccer. Okay. He practiced. He liked it. Mm -hmm. He could aim. (laughs) So um, he Zach and his dad made Greg a soccer goal. And, I mean, it's like they did stuff for each other, you know? They were close. They were... They were brothers, sure. <laughs> so, um, oh, I kind of made this like scripty, and now it's kind of silly. But I'm gonna read it anyway. So, but that day, tragedy would strike and throw the brothers' seemingly close knit relationship into question. It, it doesn't. I'm not a writer. Well, um, but, I see what you were going for. Yeah, if if it was somebody better. Bill Curtis. Oh, he could he could have pulled that off. He could have pulled that off. Um, so Greg gets home from school that day and Zach had hung a key in between like the storm door and the main door for him so that he could get in because normally they would have gotten there together. And um as soon as he walks in, he's attacked. And he ends up being murdered. And he suffered over 100 stab wounds, mostly to the neck and head area. Um, So the question became, was this his brother? Or was there somebody else? A random intruder or some other kind of theory? So here's the timeline. October 2nd, 1998. About 3.09pm, Aaron Jeffrey, who is a friend of Greg's, I don't know if she's a girlfriend, just a friend, but she called him every day right after school. Mm -hmm. I think they're probably boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, she calls the Whitman residence and someone picks up the phone and then immediately hangs it up. And she tells police when she talks to them that she knows that this is their downstairs phone because downstairs they had kind of like a flip phone. And so you could hear the click of like the hinge when somebody would hang up. So she knew it wasn't an upstairs phone. Um, then sometime between 310 and 315, Greg gets home, we think, because that's about the time he would get home. Yeah. And is immediately attacked from behind with a knife. This takes place in the entryway of the house. So it's hard to paint the picture if you're just listening. But I mean, it's a standard, like a standard entryway, like you walk in the front door To the left, I think, is, yeah, to the left is this little just, like, entryway table you'd, you know, set stuff on or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as you walk in, if you keep going, you're going to hit the laundry room. And then the stairs kind of come off of that to go upstairs. So you can see all the way up the stairs from when you walk in, which I think is pretty standard. Mm -hmm. Um so that little table gets knocked over in the struggle. It's broken. Um, Greg drops his jacket and his backpack on the floor there. The struggle continues into the laundry room over a baby gate that like blocks the laundry room off. And that's for their, they had three schnauzers, their dogs, which were not in that area at the time. Um, but the baby gate was not knocked over. It's like, they stepped over it. I'm not sure. That's strange because I knock it over all the time with my feet getting exactly. hung on it or something, you know? Yeah. And in <clears throat> in the struggle, like Greg ends up, his body ends up in the laundry room up against the washer. But the baby gate never gets knocked over. Or somebody put it back up. Or somebody put it back up. Um, where he, he dies pretty immediately um, and he's almost decapitated. Oh my gosh. In there. So about 3 15, Erin Jeffrey calls the house again. And this time she talks to Zach, who says that he's been asleep upstairs in his parents' bedroom. He says, um or she believes that she spoke to him on the upstairs phone because that one makes a different noise when he hung up and she didn't hear that click that she would have heard from the downstairs phone. And she knew the difference between the two phones because she talked to him every single day. She talked to Greg. Um, Zach tells her he doesn't think Greg's home yet, but that he should be getting off the bus really soon. And then they hang up. So then Zach says, I'm kind of going through like the full timeline and then I'm going to like dig in deeper. So okay. this is sort of the overview. <laughs> So then after that, Zach says he hears what he thinks is, like, rough housing downstairs. He thinks that Greg came home, maybe has a friend with him, and they're, like, wrestling or something. It sounds like somebody maybe got thrown into a wall. So he goes downstairs to investigate. And keep in mind, too, this house is, like... I don't know the exact square footage of this house, but it's not the JonBenet Ramsey house. It's not... A mansion. Sprawling with three different stairwells and like, you know, all these different areas of the house. It's pretty, it's, it's probably about the size of our house. Maybe 2,500 square foot. So. So pretty shitty. <laughs> so. Then. Just kidding. Anywhere that you, if I'm upstairs <laughs> and somebody's being brutally murdered downstairs. You would think that you would notice that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if you heard if you heard a struggle or a scuffle or something and you got up to go investigate, you would see it in action. It couldn't be that delayed. Right. And I mean, God, even if I don't know, even if you're I'm upstairs, I mean, we have all hardwood floor and we have a fairly open floor plan. Yeah. Like but still, I mean, it's just like. You know, if Ben's farting around, I can hear him, or I can hear the dogs. I can tell if somebody's coming. You know, it's like... Well, we don't you have... your stuff. At my house, we don't have an open floor plan. We have mostly carpet, and I can hear everything still. Yeah. You know if somebody's... <laughs> typically, you know if somebody's there. For sure. Or at least if there's a struggle taking place, because yeah. I feel like... Even if something small is happening, like, if Andrew's, like, cleaning the bathroom upstairs and I'm downstairs, I can hear it. Right. Like, you know, stuff like that. Um, And I just bring that up because Zach really maintains that he never hears anything until after he hangs up with Aaron that time. And it's 3.15, and now Greg's been home several minutes, but he was, by all evidence, attacked the moment he walked in the door. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So he goes downstairs and he sees the blood all over the floor. He sees the broken table. He sees Greg's backpack on the floor in the entryway. So he's like, what the what? Maybe this is more than rough housing. Yeah. He is also so since he's been sleeping in the upstairs, it's he said he was sleeping in his parents bedroom upstairs. Which is, to be fair, the best pa- place to sleep when you're a kid and you're home sick. I'm gonna be honest with you, it is. You guys realize your parents have sex in their bed, right? Not back then we didn't! <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. It's like on Home Alone, when he just hangs out in the, his parents' bed the whole yeah. time. I mean, it's a, it's a big bed. Mm-hmm. And you feel secure. So Zach was sleeping in his parents' bed, he says. So he doesn't have shoes on. He's just wearing his socks. He goes downstairs. Um, <laughs> I wrote Zach, who is wearing socks, and in parentheses, I put no shoes. <laughs> like, oh. To be clear. Yeah. Duh. Okay. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm wearing socks and shoes right now. Okay. That's Maybe that's why I put that. Yeah. I'm like, why did I put that? Okay. Yeah. Um, he goes downstairs, he goes through the dining room to look for his brother. So the laundry room connects to the dining room on one side and then the entryway on one side. Mm. So he goes the other way, the way that there's no blood. Yes. Which I guess makes sense, too, because if you don't see him there, then you're like, well, let me go this way. Um, so he finds Greg's body in the laundry room and he can see that his neck has been cut. So at 317... He calls nine one one. He's reported to be completely hysterical on the call, Um, and there's apparently a a short documentary about their parents, Um, and they play part of the nine one one call. And he's he's hysterical. He's saying, he keeps saying, "I have to call my mom. I have to call my mom." And the dispatcher is like, "You can't do that. Like, you need to stay on the phone with me. We need to help your brother." and they tell him several times that they need he needs to move his brother's body so that he can lay it on the floor and administer CPR. They want him to start CPR to try to revive him cuz he's not breathing. And he I don't know if he's just so hysterical that he's not comprehending that or but it takes him several minutes to get him to like actually agree to do that. Like he's pretty reluctant about it. So, they have him move the body onto the floor and Um, he follows, he then begins to finally follow the instructions of the dispatcher and then the police get there. So this 911 call is seven minutes long. Oh, wow. So we're talking seven minutes from the time that Greg gets home to the time that Zach finds him, apparently. And then seven minutes until the police get there. So that's 14 minutes. So, the uh, police officer to arrive on the scene is patrolman Sean Siggins, and he noted that he found Zach screaming frantically, jumping up and down, holding the portable phone he'd used to call 911. Zach was still saying, I need to call my mom, I have to call my mom. Um, He observed that Zach was extremely emotional. He had blood visible on his blue lacrosse sweatshirt, uh, dark pants and white socks and, um, blood on his hands as well. So he was, there's dispute about how much blood was really on Zach. There's pictures of it and I'll, I'll put those up on the Instagram. Um, but a lot of people say, well, that's not enough blood if you committed this crime, um, I mean, it's not a paper cut, so it's, I don't know. Um, I think, I think that there's ways that it could be enough blood, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so as investigators began coming through the crime scene, they took Zach to the hospital, um, cause they weren't sure he had a lot of blood on him. They didn't know if he had been injured and they couldn't get any information out of him. He was so distraught that he at this point he hasn't given them any information but greg's been pronounced dead at this point oh yeah yes yeah so they went inside they found greg he's deceased and they just they can't get any information out of zach they ask him did you see anybody did you hear anything and he's just like can't form sentences he's hysterical So they put him in an ambulance, bring him to the hospital, and the EMT used a wet towel to clean the blood off of his hands, and she noticed a cut on his ring finger of his right hand. Is he left or right-handed? Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Because I would think if he had done it, and if this was, he was holding the knife, you know what I mean? Like, maybe if he's left-handed... I could see that a little bit better maybe you know Mm -hmm. like yeah that's a good point i don't know um he they asked him how he got that cut and he said that it was earlier playing with the dogs that he'd somehow cut his hand Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't they didn't say it's like this big gash or anything um but i mean she noticed it and after an obvious attack with a sharp instrument that kind of puts up a red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, so she took his sweatshirt, his socks and the towel she used to clean the blood off. And she put them all into a paper bag, same paper bag before they get to the hospital. And she turns that over to the police. So the three dogs were found. So they take him to the hospital. He's there. His parents meet him there. The investigators are still working the scene. They find the three dogs in the upstairs master bedroom, and they said that they didn't even know the dogs were there. Like, they never barked. They never did anything. not. It's not like a schnauzer. No. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing like a schnauzer. And Erin, the girl you know who had called, said that normally she would hear the dogs barking when she called. Because they just barked a lot, and every time the phone rang, it would set them off, and they would bark until, like, you know, for, like, a minute on the phone call, and then they'd calm down, and then they'd stop barking. But she said both times she called, the the dogs didn't bark, and the investigators said they never would have even known those dogs were there had they not walked into the room and found them. I mean, were they drugged, or? <laughs> I know, it's, like, really weird, because Schnauzers are fucking yappy. Yeah. They are very yappy. Yeah. And if I know anything about a family that has a schnauzer, they don't just have one, they have four of them. Oh, yeah, you gotta have a lot of schnauzers. Mm-hmm. I just have one. Oh, true. He's a schnauzer mix, though. Not the same. Not the same. Um, And essentially a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is a cat. The detectives also noticed that there was no evidence of forced entry, no evidence of ransack. They couldn't tell that anyone had, like, fleed from the home because you would think that an attack this vicious which i'm about to get into all of his injuries but would have left so much blood that if an attacker left there'd be a blood trail or something or somebody in the neighborhood kids are getting off the bus and walking home right now kids are and like in this neighborhood when kids start getting off the bus it's like the sidewalks just have kids for the rest of the afternoon because they're you know, if the weather is nice, they're out, they're playing, they're hanging out with their friends, they're in walking. Early or mid-October is when this happened, right? Yeah. Mid-late October. it's like in Pennsylvania. Oh, I bet it's But cold. here it's not that bad. But in Pennsylvania, I'm sure that, you know, cold doesn't... Cold never bothered them anyway. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean the same thing does? us. If it's 50 here, it's cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it's negative two there, they're like, whoa, flip-flop <laughs> <Yeah>. weather. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, the kids would have been out walking, or somebody would have seen something, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, that's an active time of day. Yeah. So, and also, like, kids don't feel cold. Mm-mm. They'll be blue-lipped all over the place, yeah, and they don't they want to play outside. They want to play outside. Yep. Um, so, they saw localized blood in the entryway. Um, in the hall, they had contact stains and impact spatter on the front door handle and around the handle, as well as a heavy contact stain resembling the palm of a hand on the light switch next to the front door. This, what appeared to be a palm print, was never, like, measured or anything. It was just noted. So, who knows? Right. Who knows? <laughs> um, so, Greg sustained... 65 stab wounds encircling his neck at least 14 of them overlapping so he had a five and a half inch gaping laceration across his throat which is and this is just from stabbing not from slicing right I mean it wouldn't be like a dragging it right. across like yeah because the knife that was used um I'll just get into it now is, promotional pen knife so you really can't like slice with that and the blade is so tiny it's teeny tiny um so the the pen knife I didn't I didn't know what a pen knife was until I heard about this case and I saw the pictures of it but it's basically like you know a kind of flimsy promotional piece like anything else it sort of looks like one of those nail files that has the big, you know, long plastic piece on the end mm-hmm. and it has a promotional, you know, for a company on it. So the Whitman's dad actually worked for a company that produced these promotional things. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah, it's like a the tiniest exacto knife of all times, right? And it just slides out. Yeah. So it it's really, really little. Um his dad and, worked for, sorry. Yeah, his dad worked for a company that made them. And so this one had an auto... <laughs> she farted again? It's like broccoli this time. I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't me, it was a dog.
1: But mm. I'm still sorry for you.
0: <laughs> um, and the the company that was on this particular knife is one that his dad had been... Like, done work for, associated with, or whatever. So, and Zach also had kind of a collection of these pen knives. Um, I don't know, I guess, because his dad had a lot of them, but he had quite a few of them in his room. Mm. Um, But both uh, Greg's jugular veins were cut. His right carotid artery was cut. His esophagus, trachea, and thyroid gland were all cut. He sustained multiple defense wounds, wounds on the palms and fingers of his right hand and the palms fingers and wrist of his left hand his soccer jersey also showed at least 41 small cuts in the upper shoulder and neck band area and his backpack had small incisions as well goodness yeah so whoever came after him just i mean came the fuck after him like they they tried to stab anything they could, like, they localized it to that kind of neck area, but if they got his backpack, they got his backpack, like, I mean, it's, that's pretty vicious, Mm -hmm. um, and they were, all of his stab wounds were consistent with the pen knife that was later found buried in their backyard, so... And do you think that, uh, if somebody broke in, they would take time to bury that? Exactly, and then... When did they bury it? Because say it is somebody else, and they have done this, and then they go into the backyard and they bury this, then they come back through the house to leave because the footprints show that that somebody went in the backyard and then came back in the house. Did they measure the footprint? No. (laughs) But did Zach see anybody? No. No. And he was downstairs calling. He had an extra fifteen, damn near fifteen minutes. Right. So, and there are a lot of people who say, well, there's a lot of people who say this murder could not have taken place with this penknife. It had to have been something else. But the there is literally no point arguing that because the penknife they found buried in the backyard with the soccer glove is what was used. It had Zach's blood all over it. I mean, Greg's blood all right. over it. So... <clears throat> It was used, and it's consistent with every stab wound on Greg's body. Um, and the medical examiner noted that a lot of the stab wounds were irregular in contour. So instead of just a straight stab, they would stab and then twist or um, like turn as they were going in. I mean, so a lot of people say there's no way that this teeny little knife could do damage like that. But I think if you take something... That can break the skin, and you use enough force, and you twist and turn it like that, and you do it enough times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure a, a nail, one of those metal nail files, would have done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's a lot what they look like. Mm-hmm. They're shorter, but yeah, you yeah, can do the damage with a lot of stuff. I mean, that's why you can't take um, that kind of stuff on an airplane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I freaking. I severed the tendon in my finger on a lamp. On a lamp. <laughs>
1: that was dangerous. pretty bad, too. Yeah. It was
0: bad. I mean, you can hurt yourself on anything. Right. I've cut myself on a Windex bottle. Plastic. It's it's possible. It's possible. So, I mean, a lot of people want to say that, you, that it couldn't happen, but the fact of the matter is that it did. And then a lot of people also say, well, Zach didn't have enough time to commit the crime because... He only had seven minutes to go downstairs, lie in wait for Greg, murder him, be back upstairs in time to answer the phone when Aaron called, and then go downstairs and call, go downstairs, bury everything, come back in, and call 911. But again, the fact of the matter is that if it was a third party, that's the exact amount of time they had, too, because Greg didn't get home before that, so... The only That's, difference is not answering the phone and whatever, but... Right, and the other thing is, if you look at it, really, Zach, to me, Zach had seven extra minutes because he had that seven minutes of time that he was on the phone with 911, and you don't know where he what he was really doing. Well, and he obviously, yeah, I mean, like, Greg couldn't vouch for it. He wasn't listening to the instructions of the... um dispatcher so yeah. there's plenty of time for him to have done you know like yeah. if he was just hollering and screaming and stuff there was plenty of time for him to do whatever and yeah distract the yeah he could have been burying the stuff at that point like mm-hmm. you know and I mean I remember we had at one point one of those what I don't know if, what kind of flip phone it was but the bottom of it flipped up and it was the one of those you know you pulled the cord out mm-hmm. and whatever all of those kinds of phones that's not the only way you can hang it up there's an on and off button, yep, that's true so if if he didn't flip it, he could it could have sounded like the upstairs phone that's true, yeah, yeah, so I mean I I it, I know it's hard to wrap your head around a fifteen year old kid doing it, and I don't want to believe it either, but it, it's just I feel like those two points they're moo like it happened. <sighs> Mm-hmm. So it, that knife was used and, um, and, uh, that amount of time was taken for the attack, no matter who did it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that, I don't think that either one of those things rules Zach out. Um, unfortunately. And I mean, I don't know. Now I'm thinking of like motives, I guess. And if he had done it, and so both Greg and Zach played soccer, correct? So, and I'm not saying that Greg didn't need any extra coaching, but Zach had asked for extra coaching. Maybe Greg was, it kind of came easy to him and maybe there was some jealousy there or maybe, um. You're mixing them up. Greg's dead. Did I? Yeah. Wait, Zach needed extra coaching. Was that who it was? Oh, I see. You're saying that maybe even though he was younger, maybe Greg was better. At- okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Zach was jealous of Greg because he was a better soccer player. And maybe Zach was jealous of Greg because he had girls calling him every day. Maybe, you know, there's and yeah. the whole sibling rivalry thing. That's a real thing. It I've is. thought about doing terrible things to you. Sure. Well, that's not true because I've always been the better sibling. It's probably the other way around. However, it's real. It is real. And um, I listened to a couple of other, like, you know, coverage or whatever on this case. And somebody said that they read about stories of siblings killing other siblings. And one of them um, was because the kid brought the wrong flavor of chips home. And I mean, this kid like flipped shit and killed, you know, his brother or sister or whatever, or I mean, you want to go back to the John Ramsey thing because I swear to God, her brother did it because she ate his weirdo snack that they liked of like oranges and cottage cheese or some shit. Yeah, what was it? it was like the the pineapple and yeah milk. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, sometimes it's like the straw that broke the camel's back, and and you don't have to have motive to kill somebody. That's uh, true. It's so unfortunate, but you don't like. That's true. It's just part of it. Um, So the, the pen knife. So basically they don't find the knife buried until about 1230 the next morning. So the murder happens in the afternoon on the 2nd of October. The morning of the 3rd, they find the knife wrapped up in the soccer gloves under a pine tree next to the family's hot tub in the backyard. So, they didn't find it when they did the daylight search, and they just kind of walked around the backyard. I don't know how much they did out there. Um, but, have a metal detector or something? No, they used Luminol, mm. and there wasn't necessarily like blood around it, but apparently the chemicals in the hot tub will fluoresce Luminol. Mm. So,. Then they found this like obvious mound where something had been buried. They, I mean, it wasn't buried very much, and they found it. So there's the soccer gloves with the um penknife in it, and that cut that Zach had on his finger matched up like lined up perfectly with a cut in that in one of those gloves. Um... So, because, I mean, you could say, like, a 15-year-old kid, who knows how he got a cut on his finger. I mean, it's going to happen. Or, like, you know, if our dad ever got pulled into a murder investigation, they're like, where'd you get that cut? He's like, I don't know. Because yeah. he literally cuts himself 40 times a day, like, working outside in the yard or something. Like, yeah, there are people who are very active and they do get cuts all the time. Mm-hmm. But when you match it up with the glove that was obviously used in the murder, um, most likely used in the murder, or at least was found with the murder weapon. Yeah. I um, mean, how do you dispute suspicious. that? Suspicious. Yeah. Um, so police speak with Erin Jeffrey again that day, and she reported that Greg always arrived home by 3.07 p.m. So when she called at 3.09, she said he should have been there. And that was when the first call was picked up and hung up. And then she called back a few minutes later and Greg, um, Zach said, Greg wasn't there. He let it ring three times and he answered. He said he wasn't there. And he said, Oh, he should, you know, be off the bus soon. But she said that his demeanor was pretty normal, that he didn't seem frantic. He didn't seem out of the ordinary to her at all. Just that he said he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so scary. Yeah. So, um, you know, when the police talk to friends and family in the days after the murder, everybody just reiterates they were close. They were friends. It doesn't seem like he could do this. Um, they, they couldn't really find of any issues. A couple people said that Zach may have been selling drugs and that Greg was afraid of him, um, that when he was smoking marijuana, he got really aggressive which I've literally never heard of, unless it was like laced with something. Yeah, I don't know. I always feel weird calling it marijuana too, though, for like it. a grown up, a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> yeah, that is a hard sell for me personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and aggressive towards some Fruit Loops, maybe. Yeah, Sun Chips, a whole bag. Those flaming hot Cheetos, mm. any any time. Yeah, but not people. No, I just don't see that. No, and that's salts, sure. Right. But they uh, and they said that Zach had threatened to get Greg if he ever told his parents or the police about him selling drugs. I mean, I could see that. <laughs> right. So maybe. But that was never substantiated. And Zach was tested for drugs. His urine, blood and hair were all tested. And all of it came back negative. So if you do a hair test. That goes back as long as. That goes back a pretty long Mm -hmm. time. So. Unless he shaved it. Yeah. So, I mean, they couldn't find anything. So they really kind of thought the drug avenue wasn't plausible. Um, Ronald Whitman, which is their father, called the police a few days after the murder to let them know that he had found two cuts on the window screen of Greg's uh, bedroom, which is on the second floor, as if someone wanted to access the screen latches. And the detective who took the call said that he'd seen the cuts as well when they were at the house, but he thought they happened prior prior to the murder mm. or previously. I don't know how you can time stamp that, unless I mean. At Dad's house, all of the screens are kind of old and maybe, like, just kind of, like, dry-rotted and just cracked itself or something. But that, I mean, I, I can't see how that would look like a cut. But. Yeah, he said they looked like they'd been cut. Oh. Huh. Um, but, you Unless, know. You know, they're frayed, maybe, and it'd be frayed a lot or something. Yeah. So, I don't know, but they just said they look like they'd been there a long time, and then nobody could tell if it had been cut from the inside or the outside. So, interesting how you could tell that to you yeah so that pretty much just didn't go anywhere um so on October the 10th eight days after the murder Zach was arrested and charged uh, with his brother's murder so he was 15 then so he doesn't go to trial until he's 20 whoa yeah. So they they basically had a lot of delays in the process. People were trying to argue what evidence could be admissible, what evidence would not be admissible. Um they really didn't want to have like the sweatshirt, the socks and all that in because they felt like that was taken unconstitutionally that it was taken to the hospital not at the crime scene. And that they didn't have a warrant for it and all this stuff. So, they delay this thing five years. So, he sits in prison for five years. Wow. Before going to trial. And then you also got to think, he was 15 when it happened. He's 20 years old now. So, he, he looks a lot different than when it happened. <coughs> Excuse me. And they charge him as an adult. So, I mean, whether or not you think he did it, that's going to affect a jury that they're gonna they're gonna see a grown man who looks a lot more capable of committing the crime yeah that's true than that 15 year old kid it's not so really that's not doing him any favors yeah um so during the trial forensic scientist deborah calhoun tested the blood on zach's sweatshirt um well, so they ended up Using the... Yeah, they ended up using it. So, originally, his defense attorney wanted to keep that stuff out, and then later, he actually decided to keep it in because he felt like that was going to look better for Zach than worse, because he felt like there should have been more blood if he'd committed it. So, he was oh. like, I want them to see that there really wasn't as much as you'd think. Um, so, she reported um, several types of blood stain patterns on the sweatshirt, including impact spatter... Um, arterial blood spray hair and finger swipes soaking stains and a void all indicating that Zach would have been in close proximity to the victim while the impacts were being inflicted and that the victim was alive and moving while in close proximity to the suspect. So she's saying he didn't come downstairs and just find him he was there when it happened at the very least. Because I can't Um, imagine like the arterial spatter right. and stuff, yeah yeah, and he probably would have with cuts that severe, he probably would have bled out pretty quickly I mean, if, if Zach really did come downstairs m- many minutes later, because he didn't hear it happening it he, I don't think he'd still be spraying blood I wouldn't think Cause so. Because basically all of his arteries were cut that were anywhere around his neck. Yeah. Um, The Luminol testing showed footprints leading out of the house to the backyard and then back in again with no recognizable tread. So what they're saying is socks. Socks. They didn't think that the perpetrator was wearing his shoes. Um, there was also no identifiable, like, separate toe prints. So they didn't think they were barefoot. They thought it was socks. socks. <laughs> so... Um, Oh, I already said this, that the small cut on Zach's finger lined up with the gloves, buried. Um, And then Zach reports and holds steadfast that he never saw a perpetrator in the home or fleeing the home when he went downstairs. So that doesn't look good for him either because... And nobody else saw anything. They canvassed the neighborhood. Nobody saw somebody who was not wearing shoes, who had bloody socks leaving the scene on foot. Mm -hmm. Nobody reported. There was one, one report of a van that people didn't recognize in the area and they tracked it down and determined that this guy wasn't, had no part of it. So other than that, there weren't like all these, you know, there wasn't a vehicle that they couldn't locate or explain or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, there is evidence that Zach was maybe walking on his tiptoes um the way that the socks were it could be because i mean you could look at that as he comes downstairs and sees there's blood all over the floor so he's trying not to step in it or you could see that as he's trying to avoid the blood because he doesn't want to get it on him or that he's kind of standing in a way that he's oh trying I mean, to get sure on top taller of him, or but yeah that he's trying to make himself where he needs to be to commit the crime. I don't mm-hmm. know. So um so you know, they go they go back and forth. The defense says there's just not enough blood here. Um but to me, if you're committing this from behind, if all the spray is going mostly forward or out to the side, he may not have I mean, he may not be completely soaked through with blood. Right. Um, and if that blood is getting soaked up by Greg's clothing, I would like to know how much blood was on Greg's clothing because they talk about some of the incisions and stuff like that. And they talk about how much is on Zach's clothes, but if it's all soaked up on Greg's clothes, then. And I would think too, if he had all of his major arteries and like jugular veins and all these things cut, wouldn't you think that he would bleed out fairly quickly and it wouldn't be like, you know what I mean? Like. I'm sure those veins got really slow pushing out blood, and yeah, his blood pressure would have dropped, and yeah, yeah, it probably wouldn't have sprayed out. It as might strong. have just pulled, yeah, onto his clothes rather than gotten onto whoever stabbed him. Right. So, uh, on May twenty first, two thousand three, Zach Whitman was found guilty of the first degree murder of his brother Greg. So, they went for basically any murder charge that they could get and included manslaughter and they ended up getting first degree. So in Pennsylvania, the mandatory sentence for first degree murder was life without the possibility of parole. So that's what he was sentenced to. And even at that time they offered him a plea deal. They said, if you plead guilty, you know, we'll give you this many years and he didn't do it. He wanted to go to trial Um, and if he had done that at this point, he would have already been out of jail. Um, so I, I mean, I don't like, I think that he did it because I don't think there's anybody else who could have, like, I Mm -hmm. don't see any evidence of a third party being there, but at the same time, it's like, it just seems like plea deals only help the guilty and not the innocent. If he really was innocent, like, Mm -hmm. He wanted to go to trial. And even so, if just because he went to trial, if they thought he was safe enough to release after a five or seven year sentence or whatever, then how does him going to trial make him more difficult or dangerous? Like, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, So in 2012, the Supreme Court ruled that mandatory life without parole for juvenile killers was cruel and unusual punishment, and therefore unconstitutional. So his case was basically shelved for a few years while his attorneys and the prosecution waited on the Supreme Court ruling and then waited more for the Pennsylvania legislature to determine if that ruling would be applied retroactively. So in 2016, the Supreme Court said, yeah, you have to go back retroactively. Like, you can either resentence all these people or you can parole them if you think it's going to take too much time because a lot of the states were like we can't go back and resentence all these people there's so many people and they were like well you could you can just parole them then like whatever so um because apparently there were a lot of juveniles who'd been given life without parole wow so um Zach was actually still waiting for the resentencing, and then this year in February, he admitted that he did kill Greg. So, um, he said, yes, I can say I killed my brother by stabbing him. He said that, um... He well he pleaded guilty to third degree murder in exchange of a sentence in exchange for a sentence of fifteen years, which would make him eligible to be released in January of twenty nineteen, so he'd have a little less than a year left. Um, what is said, third degree murder? It, what is considered third degree murder? I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, look it up. Um, he said that he got mad at Greg. Because Greg had gotten mad at him for hanging up on his girlfriend. So this first call that came in where Zach says, or where Aaron says somebody picked up and hung up. Zach says that was him. And that Greg got pissed about it. And that Greg wouldn't drop it. And so Zachary grabbed a pair of soccer goalie gloves and a small pen knife and went downstairs but Greg followed him and kept yelling at him, and so he said he only wanted to scare his brother with the knife, but then he stabbed him when they were in the foyer. He Greg ran to the back of the house. Zach followed him and continued continued stabbing him in the laundry room. He said he got scared and hid the knife and gloves under a tree in the backyard, and then he called 911. And they uh, they think he's okay to be paroled next year because they don't think he's a risk to the public just that i guess he was a risk to his brother that's insane and i don't like if he didn't do it which i'm still like i don't know I i still keep saying like if he didn't do it but i can see why at this point even if he didn't do it he would plead guilty to a lesser charge because now he has the chance of getting out of prison when before he didn't right And it's like, you can't really get parole without expressing remorse, and you can't express remorse if you say you're innocent. So, what do you do? You have to turn around and plead guilty, even if you didn't do it. Well, yeah. Which is kind of fucked up. That is really fucked up. But, because again, if you, if this person says they're innocent, even if they had said they were guilty, you were going to release them in how many years anyway? It just seems really weird, but... Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, I kind of think he did it. I think he did too. I I just don't know who else it could have been. You know, there were so many people walking around at that time. All the kids who did, were getting off the bus. It just, if somebody would have seen another person, Zach should have seen another person, mm-hmm. and he didn't. And I believe their backyard was fenced in, so, I don't, so I don't, could... they would have had to go out the front door. Absolutely, yeah. That's so crazy to me. It's really sad. It is, because when you think about the parents, too, they lose their youngest son to a murder, and then, you know, they lose their older son, too, and that's their only two kids. It's like... and I mean, they stand by his innocence. They think he didn't do it, but... I mean, I know that would be really difficult as a parent. Yeah, definitely. To believe that. Because even if he didn't do it... Um, they've still lost this many years with him. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine. So that's the, that's the Whitman case. I think he did it. I think he did too. Mostly. I do think, I don't know how I feel about uh, what year you should try a child or a minor as an adult. Yeah. 15's young. It is young. And to think about all the stupid shit I did at 15. I didn't kill anybody, but I sure wouldn't want to be held accountable for what I did when I was 15. Exactly. Like, as an adult, like, n- like, basically saying you should know everything that you know now. Like, a, yeah. Would I would even tough. say 18's a little questionable, but it is. I mean, and especially, like, as a parent now, thinking about my kids being 18 i'm like you're not gonna be mature enough to move out if you want to Mm -mm. but we get it tarella you're a parent (laughs) or you're not gonna be mature enough to drive at 16 that terrifies me but it's like you know when you're that age you're like i know what i'm doing i'm not gonna do anything stupid oh yeah know at all yeah you think you know but But you have no idea idea. (laughs) (laughs) but like you know looking back on it now i'm like my god the things we could have gotten into by accident. And thank God I didn't get arrested or much, much worse. Yeah. So, that's it. All right. All right. 2D2 in the books. (laughs) 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 The worst thing ever. Yeah, the worst. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And thank you for being patient because we clearly suck at doing even So sorry. Yeah. Shout out to Zach Atkinson. You're you're on our stuff and we love it. Yep. Yeah, blowing up our pagers and we are obsessed with you. Yeah. For doing it. And thank you for every to everyone else. Yes, all the people. Yeah. I mean we don't want to be the people. Ex- exclusive. No. But we do love everyone. Um, and we appreciate everything that you guys have done for listening, for doing the reviews, and also, of course, for your continued patience in our, um, not -hmm. getting our shit together ways. Right. But thank you so much, and hopefully we will have something for you, um, week after next. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're gonna try our best. No promises, but we're gonna really try. Yeah. But have a blessed week. Or many weeks. Or many weeks. And, uh, you know, keep on trucking. Keep on. Keep it on. Bye. Bye.